Chapter 1 of A Group of Famous Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Group of Famous Women by Edith Horton. Joan of Arc, 1410-1412-1431. O child of France, shepherdess, peasant girl, trodden underfoot by all around thee, how I honor thy flashing intellect quick as god's lightning and true as god's lightning to its mark that ran before france and laggard europe by many a century confounding the malice of the ensnarer and making dumb the oracles of falsehood de quincey the story of the life of joan of arc is so unusual and so wonderful that it would be difficult to believe it to be true if all that happened to her had not been told in a court of law and written down during her lifetime few facts in history come to us so directly for these old records are still preserved in france where they may be seen and read to-day joan was born some time between fourteen ten and fourteen twelve in the little village of domremy france being the fifth child of jack and isabel d'arc her parents were peasants in comfortable circumstances and joan did not suffer through poverty she never learned to read or write indeed very few people at that time were able to do so but she became skilful in the use of the needle and helped her mother in all the household tasks she was always good and obedient to her parents and kind to everyone especially the sick and the poor when work for the day was over joan ran about with her playmates full of fun and frolic dancing and singing for the pure joy of living often the children would run to the beautiful forest near the village where there was an oak which they called the fairy tree here they would bring cakes for little feasts at which they would dance hanging garlands of flowers on the branches in honor of the good fairies this was a custom of peasant children of france in those days joan would sometimes steal away from her companions and sit quietly and thoughtfully alone for she was living in a very unhappy time for france and the misfortunes of her beloved country weighed upon her spirits her father had told her of the sad condition of france of how the kings of england had been for nearly a hundred years trying to make themselves kings of france and how little by little they had taken possession of french lands until it was feared they would soon own the entire country and france would have an english king charles called the dauphin son of the old french king did not dare to be crowned and no prince was thought to become really king of france until that ceremony had taken place for centuries the french kings had been crowned and anointed with sacred oil at the cathedral of rheims but as the city of rheims was far away and in the power of the english charles thought he could not safely go there as joan grew older she spent much of her time alone and in prayer brooding over the wrongs of her country she implored god to have pity on france when about thirteen years of age and while she was standing in her father's garden at noon one summer day she suddenly saw a great light and heard voices telling her to be good and telling her also that she must go to the rescue of her country joan said that she was only a young ignorant peasant girl who could neither ride a horse nor use a sword but the voices kept on speaking to her for years always telling her the same thing to go to the relief of the dauphin joan at last came to believe that the visions and the voices came from god and she determined to obey them when she told her father and mother what she intended to do they tried to dissuade her telling her that the voices she heard were imaginary and that it was impossible for a girl to do what trained military men and great generals had failed to accomplish though it was very hard for her to act contrary to the wishes of her parents 
Joan said she must do the work God had planned for her. Soon her gentle persistence had its effect, and people stopped laughing at her and ridiculing her, some even beginning to believe in her mission. The voices bade Joan to go to the Dauphin, who was then living at Chinon, a castle on the Loire, and tell him that she had to come to lead his army to victory, and that he would shortly go to Rheims to be crowned. At first it seems impossible for her to get to Chinon, but she went to Vaucouleurs, where her uncle lived, and with his help she succeeded in persuading Robert de Boudricourt, the commander there, to give her an escort of a few armed men for the journey. Someone gave her a beautiful war-horse, which, to the surprise of all, she rode well, though she had never ridden before in her life. She cut her long black hair short and dressed herself in doublet and hose like a boy, and this costume she wore during the remainder of her life. On February 23rd, 1429, she rode out of Vaucouleurs through a gate which is standing today, and after several days' journeying, came to Chinon. Here there was some delay, for Charles was surrounded by people who advised him not to grant Joan an interview, but she was finally permitted to enter the great hall of the castle, where crowds of men, knights, and nobles in gorgeous attire were assembled. But Joan was not dismayed. With confidence, but also with modesty, she walked up to one who was very plainly dressed, and fell on one knee before him, saying, God send you a long life, gentle dauphin. The man pointed to another, richly dressed in gold and silk embroidery, saying, That is the king. But Joan said, No, fair sir. She was not to be deceived, and her recognition of Charles, notwithstanding his disguise, caused all to wonder and many to believe in her. The king asked her name and what she wanted. Fair Dauphin, my name is Gina the Maid, and the king of heaven speaks unto you by me, saying that you shall be anointed and crowned at Femmes, Joan replied. She then asked to be allowed to lead his army to the relief of Orleans, which city was under siege by the English at that time, telling him that under her guidance the victory would be theirs. Many of the nobles laughed at the idea of a girl leading an army, but after talking with her, Charles granted her request and sent her to Tours, where preparations were made for the journey to Orleans. At length, all was in readiness and the start was made. On a bright spring day, Joan rode away from Tours at the head of the king's army, wearing beautiful armor of white wrought iron. She carried an ancient sword, which she had divined was hidden behind the altar of St. Catherine in the chapel at Firbois, and a banner embroidered with golden lilies. Such a sight was never seen before nor since. It was night, April 29, when the French reached Orleans. They had safely passed an English fortress and entered the town without trouble. The people of Orleans, carrying torches, crowded around Joan, eager to see the brave girl who had come to their rescue. The woman tried to kiss her hands, and all the people shouted and cheered. The entire city rejoiced, for Joan's calm confidence, her bravery and decision, inspired the soldiers with belief in her and the success of her undertaking. Very soon, Joan led her soldiers forth against the English, and they were successful in taking several forts. She had prophesied long before this time that she would be wounded during the fighting, and one evening, shortly before the siege was raised, she said to Brother Pasquerel, the priest who is with her, Tomorrow rise even earlier than today. Stay always at my side, for tomorrow I shall have much ado, more than I have ever had, and tomorrow blood shall flow from my body. The next day, while placing a ladder against the wall during the thick of the fight, a crossbow entered her shoulder in spite of her armor, and blood flowed. 
the arrow was drawn out and the wound was dressed whereupon she insisted upon returning to the battle though it is said she cried a little because of the pain at eight o'clock that night one of joan's generals came to her for permission to stop the fighting until morning but joan asked him to wait a while then she rode into a vineyard and prayed when she returned to the field she found that a soldier had carried her banner into a ditch she seized it and waving it so that all the men saw it cried when my standard touches the wall we shall take the fort soon the wind blew the fringe of the banner against the wall and with a mad rush the french climbed into the fort while the english fled the next day may eighth fourteen twenty nine the siege was raised and ever since the people of orleans celebrate that day and pay honor to joan called by them the maid of orleans several other victories were won by the french under joan's leadership until the english were driven far to the north then joan tried to induce charles to go to rheims to be crowned so that the french people would feel that he was really their king but the distance was great and the roads passed through towns which were occupied by friends of the english and charles who loved his ease was hard to move at length however he was persuaded and with an army of twelve thousand men charles started on his journey to rheims which city he entered on july sixteenth being crowned the next day with imposing ceremonies this was perhaps the happiest day of joan's life the great cathedral was crowded with people only the centre aisle being kept free for the procession first came the archbishop accompanied by his canons in their robes of state then came men of high rank magnificently dressed from the west door joan and the king appeared side by side and cheers and cries of welcome greeted them followed by a deep silence preceding the solemnity of the coronation the archbishop of rheims administered the coronation oath then the dauphin was anointed with the sacred oil and crowned while the trumpeters played and people shouted the maid knelt at the king's feet and wept for joy when asked by charles to choose a gift as a reward for her work for her country she begged that the people of her native town domremy might be free from paying taxes this was granted and for three hundred years the taxes were remitted on the books it is written against the town of domremy nothing for the sake of the maid this was all joan would accept for herself she desired nothing except to be allowed to go back to her village home to tend to her sheep and be again with her mother but charles the seventh would not consent to that for france was not yet free from the english so it was decided to try to recapture paris shameful to say however the king did not give joan the assistance he should withdrawing instead from the city soon afterwards while leading an attack against the duke of burgundy joan was taken prisoner and sold to the english king charles made no effort to effect a ransom for her nor did anyone else in france attempt to raise money to save her from her unhappy fate she was charged with sorcery put into prison in rouen and after a year was brought to trial at the trial she was found guilty was sentenced to death and burned at the stake in the market-place of rouen may thirty fourteen thirty one joan of arc had no grave her ashes were thrown into the seine there remains no relic of her no portrait or any article she ever touched still she will never be forgotten it is now nearly five hundred years since her death yet today she is honored in reverence and many statues have been erected to her memory a mere child in years she rescued her country from the english by a series of brilliant victories crowned the french king and in return for this was burned alive at the stake while those for whom she had fought looked on making no effort to save her 
She was 17 years of age when she led the armies of France to victory, and but 19 when she met her cruel death. Her pure, steadfast, simple faith, together with her devotion to God and her patriotism, constitute her greatness. During her life in camp, in court, in her home, and in prison, she never forgot her womanly ideals, though she was called upon to do a man's work, and she stands today to all nations a shining example of pure and noble womanhood. End of Joan of Arc